it's Friday night and here on Three Valleys Radio it's time for the racing show. If you're into racing then this is the programme for you. We've got it all. Top tipsters. Jockeys. Top trainers. So make sure you make a note Friday night's the racing show on Three Valleys Radio. show tonight we've got sporting life journalist and race commentator simon holt trainers rod millman tom ward and jamie snowden tipsters colin brown of course colin brown and dave wilson plus of course all the news from the racing media Good evening and welcome to the racing show here on three valleys radio but i'm sorry to have to start with such a negative uh, account really but i'm sure like many of our listeners that you were appalled at the contents of the BBC Panorama documentary on the life of racehorses after their racing career is over. Quite clearly, something needs to be done, and I do hope the BHA will be taking the strongest possible action to put a stop to the shocking treatment of horses after racing. In most cases, a retiring racehorse is taken in by a stable staff who have naturally built up a loving bond with the horse. My own sister-in-law gave a home to three ex-jumpers, and they lived out their lives in a naturally loving environment. So seeing the pictures on Panorama was particularly upsetting. Naturally, it's not always possible for every retiring racehorse to find a home, but surely the BHA can make sure that this sort of treatment is brought to an immediate end. Horses bring so much joy to owners, trainers, jockeys and the public. Surely they're entitled to a humane and dignified end. Moving on to the BBC, obviously dealing with such an emotive subject is always a difficult job. But what a disgraceful 30 minutes of filming the programme was. It seems as if 50% was shot in the so-called kill room with a man wandering around looking clueless and carrying a gun. Absolutely appalling. So come on, all you horse racing enthusiasts and uh, authorities, let's stamp on this now before it becomes any worse. Right. Now let's uh, join Mike Padden for all the news from the racing media. Hello and welcome to this week's news from the racing media, which includes Racing TV, The Racing Post and The Sporting Life. Here's our first story. Globetrotter Mishriff is to have just his second outing over a mile and a half in the King George VI and Queen Elizabeth Kipco stakes at Ascot on Saturday, after Connections decided against an alternative option at York on the same day. The four-year-old was in need of his first outing since March, when third in the Coral Eclipse at Sandown this month, and features among nine star-studded confirmation for the weekend's showpiece event. Mishriff, a 15-2 chance with Coral to land his first domestic Group 1, had previously racked up lucrative victories in the Saudi Cup and Dubai Shima Classic at the beginning of the year, the last named over a mile and a half. 
Connections had also been considering keeping the son of make-believe to a mile and a quarter and tackling the Group 2 Skybet York Stakes at York, but have decided the prospect of giving a stone away to three-year-olds on the Knaves Mire is a stiff challenge. After watching Mishrif Cantor on Warren Hill on Monday morning, joint trainer John Gosden said, All being well, Mishrif is to run in the King George rather than York, where we thought the prospect of carrying a Group 1 penalty was a stiff ask. It looks a good renewal of the Ascot race, with the top older horses in there as well as the Derby winner. It should make for a fascinating feature, he said. The King George has gone the way of Clarehaven Stables five times in the past decade, most recently when Enable registered a record third triumph a year ago. Mishrif could face eight rivals in what is gearing up to be a high-class clash of the generations, with last year's Thousand Guineas and Oaks winner Love successful in the Prince of Wales stakes at the Royal Meeting last month, and Kazoo Derby hero Adaya among the final confirmations. Love's trainer Aidan O'Brien could also be represented by Grand Prix de Saint-Cloud winner Broom, Mogul and Japan, while Hardwick Stakes heroine Wonderful Tonight and Adaib are also in contention. Love heads the betting with Coral at 6-4 ahead of Adaya at 15-8, with Irish Derby second Lone Eagle, who is set to be ridden by Frankie de Torre, a 9-2 chance ahead of Mishrif. The ground at Ascot on Monday was good to firm, good in places with watering taking place. Dry and warm weather is forecast until Friday evening when thunderstorms could arrive. Now the King George VI and Queen Elizabeth Kipco stakes confirmations are Adair, Adaib, Broom, Japan, Lone Eagle, ridden by Frankie de Torre, Love, Mishrif, ridden by David Egan, Mogul and Wonderful Tonight. Also, the top-ranked British horse in the world, Palace Pier, has been ruled out of a mouth-watering clash with young gung poetic flair in the Group 1 Qatar Sussex Stakes at Goodwood next Wednesday after suffering a blood disorder. The four-year-old was a general 6-4 favourite, although he was 11-10 with one firm, to back up his win in the Queen Anne Stakes at Royal Ascot last month for John and Thady Gosden. The son of Kingman will instead follow a familiar path to the Group 1 Prix-Jacques-Les-Maurie at Duval next month, a race he won in 2020. Palace Pier was ranked the highest-rated racehorse by Longines after his win in the Lockinge Stakes at Newbury in May and followed up in a similarly smooth fashion at the Queen Anne in June. Since then, St Mark's Basilica has surpassed him courtesy of his recent win in the Coral Eclipse. John Gosden said Palace Pier had a blood disorder after his win in the Queen Anne, and it's taken some time to come right. He's now back in full training, but the Sussex Stakes at Goodwood will come too soon for him. He will therefore go straight to the Prix-Jacques-le-Maurie at Duvel on August the 15th. Other summer options for Palace Pier had been a step-up in trip for races like the Monte International at York, which now seems unlikely, but he could go beyond a mile later on. Whether he'll appear on Champions Day at Ascot in October is yet to be determined, as he was unsuited by the very soft ground at the fixture last year.
St Mark's Basilica's pulsating victory in Saturday's coral eclipse has seen him jump seven pounds from an official rating of 120 to 127 and place him at the head of the latest Longines World's Best Horse Rankings. That figure puts him two pound clear of previous frontrunner Palace Pier, a potential rival as the summer rolls on over either a mile or, should the Gosden team step him up in trip, a mile and a quarter potentially in the Giudamonte International at York next month. And our final report of today. Having won both Colts Classics against his own age group in France, St Mark's Basilica earned the chance to take on well-established top-class older horses in the shape of Adaib and Mishrif, an opportunity he took in impressive style at Sandown. Given the Eclipse was the first chance for St Mark's Basilica to race against the older generation, there is the prospect of more to come. A rating of 127 puts the son of Sayuni within striking distance of a mark that could see him crowned world champion at the end of the season. Since Frankel's 140-rated year-ending peak in 2012, only three winners of the world's best horse accolade have recorded a mark of greater than 130, namely American Pharaoh in 2015 and Arrogate in each of the following two seasons. A mark of 130 would have been good enough to be crowned top of the rankings by the world's major jurisdiction handicappers in every year since. While St Mark's Basilica is only £1 shy of the rating posted by 2019 joint champions Enable, Crystal Ocean and Waldgeist. Adaya's four and a half length win in the Kazoo Derby was rated £1 clear of St Mark's Basilica's performance when landing the Prix de Jockey Club. However, given both the strength of the opposition in the Eclipse and the manner of St Mark Basilica's victory, the Epsom hero will need to take another step forward in the King George later this month in order to confirm that superiority. And to finish us off, here's the Longines World's Best Horse Rankings up to July the 4th. At number 1 at 127 is St Mark's Basilica. Number two, two behind at 125 are Palace Pier. Two more behind at number three is Nature Strip. And at number four at 122 is Mishrif, Domestic Spending, Mystic Guide, Subjectivist and Poetic Flair. This has been all the news from the racing media, including Racing TV, The Racing Post and The Sporting Life. Thank you for listening. OK, let's see where we can go racing this weekend. Let's get started then. So, first of all, there is seven races on the flat uh, on the all-weather up at Newcastle. Seven races on the flat at Ascot with a 1.15 start. Seven races on the flat at York with a 2.05 start. Seven races on the flat at Newmarket on the July course with a 3.05 start, somewhat later than usual. And Salisbury, there are seven races on the flat there with a 5.30 start. And then moving on to Sunday, there are eight jump races at Utoxeter with a 1.10 start, seven races on the flat at Pontefract with a 1.55 start, and seven races on the flat at Musselburgh with a 3.55 start. Okay, big few days coming up with Glorious Goodwood on the horizon and also we've got the King George on Saturday and I'm pleased to say that Simon Holt has joined us for his regular get-together with us 
uh, to give us his thoughts on the two big meetings. Well, good morning, Simon. Um, seems a bit sad on a, such a lovely, bright, wonderful, sunny day to start discussing things that uh, seem to be going on in the horse racing world that uh, aren't very nice. Um, I'm referring, obviously, to the BBC Panorama programme. What are your thoughts on the uh, the revelations in it? Well, it was shocking to watch, really. Um, the, the, the abattoir, which was highlighted, and the fact that these horses lame horses were being travelled over from Ireland uh, seemingly quite needlessly it's hard to fathom why that that would happen and in fact you know it's not supposed to happen no you're not supposed to transport lame horses and it was clear from the footage from the abattoir that um, some of those well there was one horse in particular that tugged at my heart I mean he just couldn't put his uh, his uh, left hind leg down mm. and you know he you know, he, he, it really needed to be, you know, the sooner the better for him. Yeah, and yeah. I think, you know, there will be lessons to be learned. I think, obviously, racing on both sides of the Irish Sea is going to have to react and try and do better. Mm. And the BHA in Britain, they have had quite a big uh, welfare push now for some time. There's the retraining of racehorses charity, which gets a little bit of money for every entry fee. In, in Britain and uh, they've created a lot of incentives for retired horses they stage a lot of show jumping events showing events dressage that sort of thing and it's been what I would say and there's lots and lots of rehabilitation centres and retraining centres uh, one man outfits there are bigger bigger centres you know all mm. around the country and I think by and large the, the majority of trainers and, and owners try and do best do their best for the horse and its post-racing career but as ever there's always going to be, be a few that just slip through the net and there is this problem that if you sell a horse you don't really then have any say in what happens to that horse subsequently sometimes there's a clause in a sale that this horse is not being sold for racing mm. so uh, that that horse should never run again but uh, as time goes on perhaps the injuries mount up and you know the Sometimes I think I think the the thing that you have to be clear about the, the the brutal truth, and it's just the same with your pet cats and your pet dogs. That there does come a time with horses when the time is right, when when mm. it's the best thing, the kindest thing to put them down, and that, and I just think that's that's an inevitability. Um, of all life really ourselves included although nobody puts us down we don't have that luxury do we we, no. we have to battle on through pain and illness and and uh, and usually pass out on you know through high doses of morphine yeah. um you know animals do have that advantage in terms of you know that they shouldn't suffer for so long because we can do something about it and so i think that there'll there'll be a review i did, it looks from some of the resort, the report subsequent that the BHA could probably put in a bit more money. Uh, it worked out about £200 per horse or something that um, mm. is put aside for welfare. But, you know, the industry, it may give the impression horse racing of being a rich man's sport, but you know, the funding model we have in Britain and the return 
the bookmakers via the government is 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 lower than in other countries and you know this is not as rich an industry as it ought to be but but welfare really should be a priority and i think uh, some trainers i saw online oliver sherwood kim bailey said some very very sensible things and mm. but it, it really is the responsibility of the trainers and the owners and the owners perhaps should should be under no illusion that if they get into racehorse ownership you know it, it's it's that old um old uh, saying about dogs at christmas a dog is mm. is for life not just for christmas you yeah, know and it's yeah. the same with racehorses i think as well and there are quite a lot of people out there i had a horse a few years ago and we were very fortunate to find a, a good home for him and he's done exceptionally well show jumping and dressage since then and looks a million dollars but he was only an eight-year-old when we retired him and uh, so he's got his whole life ahead of him and that's the point you know most mm. racehorses when they're retired maybe they're 10 11 12 you know they're only halfway through their lives potentially yeah absolutely but it's a big issue yeah do you not think though i mean whilst obviously you know i think it's important that these things are brought to light to the public as attention to to manage to get something done but at the same time i felt that the way the bbc handled it was so typically bbc it was so typically um shock horror and, and I mean, I just, I mean, I, I would have said 50% of the filming was in this so-called killing room. Now, I mean, do we need that? And some bloke wandering around with a shotgun or whatever. I mean, the whole thing just, I mean, you can get the message across, surely, without having to go to those sort of lengths. I thought that was really, really crass and awful. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, it was shocking to watch. I mean, uh, you know, uh, I couldn't understand why a rifle was being used in a no. in an enclosed space like that no i'm not an expert on what goes on in slaughterhouses but that didn't look right it looked potentially really dangerous yeah yeah uh, when when a horse sadly gets injured and can't be saved on a race course uh, it's usually given a lethal injection mm. but obviously you've got to be very careful because you know that the horse is probably going to drop to the ground and yeah. um it could be a dangerous situation so um I wasn't really surprised that um, it was, as you say, a little bit sensationalistic, but that's the nature of TV documentaries. It had a, mm. I think it had a valid message. It had a, um, you know, it, it was a warning to the industry, really, yeah. even though, you know, it didn't really concentrate on horse racing per se, but what happened to racehorses after they've been racing. Yeah. And yeah. I might add also, you know, I think, I, I understand there's quite a lot of research going into uh, some of the fatalities on, on race courses at the moment. And, um, you know, just to find out, you know, if there is any other reason other than just horses taking a bad step or taking a fall, why why horses are, are dying at the races, you know. Mm -hmm. I think at the end of the day, you know, if you're, if you're on the side of animal aid who'd love to see racing abolished, Fair enough, but if you're a racing supporter, you know, you really do have to buy into it. It's a marvellous sport, it's thrilling, they're beautiful animals and they're bred to do what they're doing Yeah, absolutely instinctively, but you have to accept uh, the odd injuries and fatality and if you can't accept that, then, you know, you, sh 
you can't really follow horse racing. It's not a callous thing. These horses are, are given five-star hotel treatment. Mm. Uh, they have a fantastic life, really, and very sadly, a small percentage of them sometimes lose their life on the race course or on the gallops or anywhere. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's not just racing. It can be anywhere. Uh, they are essentially quite fragile creatures insofar as they've got, you know, four spindly legs holding up mm. a, an extremely heavy um, body, you know. So, um, you know, they can get injured quite quite often. And, it's, and nobody is sadder than the trainers and the owners and, in particular, the poor lads that look after them. Yeah. You've always got to spare a thought for them. They're the ones that are with that horse for so many hours every day uh, and every day of, of its time in that stable. So, you know, you really have to consider that. And I've seen some, you know, some terrible things really over the years. And I don't find it any easier to see as I get older. And I understand, you know, race goers come up and they, they ask, you know, what happened there? Is that horse all right? And I have to say, well, sometimes, sadly, I'm afraid, you know, he appeared to break his leg or what have you. But it's always the the, the stable staff that feel it the worst because mm, yeah, they're the ones yeah. that, that love the horses and look after them all, all but the course, time. But, you know, in a way, the stable staff, I mean, I, I don't know if I said this to you, but my, my sister-in-law used to work for Ron Hodges over at Somerton. Mm. And she had, I, I think it was three that she brought, I mean, fortunately, you know, the um, farmer's daughter and all that, so we had a farm with stables, and so it was easy. And she had, I think it was three that she had that uh, retired with her, which was which was really good, you know, and they, they lived out their lives. Um, you know, I do think vets have a, a certain part in this in so much as they are so expensive. I mean, I know you can get insurance these days, but the insurance is expensive mm. as well. So, mm. you know, maybe, maybe vets could sort of, I don't know, just think of some way of... You know, I'm not suggesting they cut their fees for day-to-day stuff, but maybe at the end of the road, maybe that'll be a time for them to make some sort of a gesture. I don't know. But I expect well, I'll, get, I'll get all the vets from the whole country ringing yeah, me up. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on that. No. Uh, but um, I, think, I think, you know, there, there's, there's a real need for proper funding, as there are in various aspects of the racing industry, and it's just really finding the, finding the money. Uh, but there, yeah. there should be more funding into rehabilitation and retraining centres and and you know the message should be shouted out loud and clear that these are beautiful animals and actually a lot of them not all some are not really uh, very safe rides but the vast majority of them once they're off the the uh, the hard racing food the protein that they, they settle down and relax and can be retrained and can at the very least make pretty good riding horses particularly yeah. as they get older you know so um it, there's no reason why any racehorse really should be uh, without a keeper or an owner no. uh, in 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 later life uh, but it just needs it needs funding and it needs a, people need a bit of help looking after these horses perhaps and uh, you know, it, it, it's so sad mm. that, that a horse can't live a full life when yeah. it's retired from racing barely halfway through its yeah. average life expectancy. No, that's right. I don't think, just just to end this particular topic, I don't think there's, there's anything better than seeing uh, a retired horse wandering around in a field, eating the grass, taking the sunshine mm. and looking totally at, at ease with itself. I mean, it's great, I think. And, uh, you know, long well, that, may it continue. That doesn't suit all horses, though, Adrian. No. Um, it, it does suit some, but a lot of horses are used to being 
uh, or have had a very active career mm. and so retraining is often a much better route for them yeah um, and some trainers keep keep older horses on in the yard uh, if the owners are willing to pay for them or the trainer to look after them uh, maybe if the owner uh, can't pay anymore and and they're used as hacks you know the mm, mm. x-race horses and and maybe can um, just um, transport the trainer up the gallops or even yeah in a, even well better even better scenario give a lead to some of the younger horses yeah cue cards are a prime example of that one colin tizard's uh, uh x-racer I mean, he, he's back at the yard now and he lives up mm. there so you know there's a prime example but anyway yeah. enough of this doom and gloom um big race on saturday um uh, the King George. What do you, what do you fancy in that? And well, it we, we've just got the declarations through, and there are going to be six runners, right? And and uh, they are uh, there's two for Aidan O'Brien, the number one presumably being Love, mm-hmm. which will ride more, ride her, and Broom, who won the Grand Prix de Saint Cloud last time out. Those are the two Aidan O'Brien runners, and then just going down, there's Mishriff, who was third in the Eclipse. Uh, wonderful tonight who won the Hardwick Stakes at Royal Ascot but will need a lot of rain to fall if she's going to run and then the two really uh, smart three-year-old Colts Adair of course who won the Derby and Lone Eagle who was just touched off by Hurricane Lane in the Irish Derby Uh, just a small field but a really intriguing race and I suspect that it's going to be run at a very good gallop because Lone Eagle and Broom both stay very well Broom may well be in there partially as a pacemaker for love i don't know but i think the pace will be strong enough anyway because i think lone eagle who only just got touched off by hurricane lane at the car i mean he does stay extremely well but equally the fast pace uh, and the emphasis on stamina i think will suit a day the derby winner because if you look back at his epsom win you know he was pretty relentless in the closing stages and the mile and a half at Epsom is the stiffest mile and a half in the country <laughs> and it was a, a very good time in fact funnily enough both the English derby and the Irish derby will run in identical times to standard they were 0.85 seconds above the standard which suggests they were both run on good or maybe even slightly quicker ground even though the going description at, at Epsom was good to soft but uh, it was a sunny day um and the time was very good. So they both um, really get the trip exceptionally well. The, the the mile and a half at Epsom, I think the standard time for Epsom is something like two seconds slower than the Curra. So it's a, it's a sterner test. The mile and a half at Ascot, well, it's a very big test over the last seven furlongs because it's uphill all the way, but they do have a downhill run to Swindley Bottom earlier on. So I think it's going to be a really strongly run race. Uh, if... You're going to ask me what I fancy. Well, I fancied that day off at the Derby. I just think he's a he's a, a fantastic individual. I think he has the potential to get better because he's he's a big horse with lots of scope, and I like the fact that he's been laid laid out for this race since the Derby. He could have run in another race, but this has always been the target since he won the Derby. The only slight caveat I would say is that uh, he's never run on really fast ground so far mm-hmm. and he's a big horse you know and uh, while I say I think the ground was probably almost perfect at Epsom there are thunderstorms forecasted over the next 
uh, 48 hours or so. But when they strike and if they strike, the weather forecast at the moment is very unpredictable mm. as to where these thunderstorms will land. Uh, the temperatures are going to ease off a little bit over the next couple of days. Yeah. So uh, it'll be more comfortable for the spectators on Saturday. Fantastic spectacle. It's always been one of my absolute favourite races, the King George, and I've been very lucky to call the race on quite a few occasions, and I'll be calling it on Saturday, and I hope to be calling a day our home in front. Tell me, why are these big races attracting so few runners these days? Is it just a lack of quality horses, or, or, or what? I mean, you know, prize money is huge. Yes, the prize money is huge, but, you know, the, these the, the six that run in the King George if wonderful tonight runs they all have a feasible chance of winning sometimes mm. in the big races you get a few that are just looking to grab a little bit of prize money mm. so i think and and you know in the racing pyramid obviously there's a lot more poor horses less talented horses at the bottom of the pyramid yeah and yeah. at the top of the pyramid there are relatively few absolute top class horses and i would say that sometimes if you get a big field there's uh, usually a few in there who are a relative no-hopers and there were, was in the derby though one of them one of the big outsiders rogue star came through to finish second in in the derby so i think this just looks a, a real select group of horses a real quality renewal of mm. uh, of our our most uh, important all-age uh, middle distance horse race yeah so that that takes us to glorious goodwood i know it's slightly early and that uh it's not till next tuesday so you haven't really got many declarations to go by but uh what are you what are your thoughts on glorious goodwood well it looks as though it's going to be a nice week down there uh, the temperatures don't, are not going to be too extreme and it looks dry so i think we'll be uh, it'll be pretty fast ground uh, early in the meeting you've got the highlight of stradivarius trying to win another goodwood cup and mm. maybe put behind him a slightly substandard run in the Gold Cup last time out behind Subjectivist. Sub- sadly, Subjectivist has had an injury since then. He's not going to return until well into next season. That's a real shame because he was such an impressive winner of the Gold Cup and a, a really fabulous horse, lovely-looking horse. Mm. So it should, in theory, be a bit easier for Stradivarius. But, you know, he's getting a bit older. Maybe Frankie de Tori didn't really shine on him unusually in the gold cup i think that's a possible point he certainly gave the horse a lot to do and he ran on up the straight but he was never really getting there potential rivals were there that many i mean true shan who tried to defy massive weight and high rating in the northumberland plate last time out you know he had stradivarius well behind him when he won on champions day but he's a horse that definitely would prefer a bit of cut in the ground and i just don't know if he's going to get that at, at goodwood if if he, if he is going to if he's an intended runner in the goodwood cup and uh, you've got ocean wind who was only just beaten by stradivarius in the cigaro stakes he could be one at, at a decent price for trainer roger teal who uh, of course trains oxted and uh, aiden o'brien a horse called oran nabian i think that's the way you pronounce it i wouldn't like to spell it um and it, it, a horse that's named after the um irish national anthem and uh he he's a horse that is beginning to shape i think like a potentially good stayer but um if stradivarius is at his best if he can still produce his best despite the advancing years 
then um, you know the the track is perfect. You know he's got that little bit of toe which separates him from so many other stayers, and given perhaps a a better ride this time out, then he's got to have every chance. And he'll bring the house down, of course, if he mm, if he goes yeah, and wins. Yeah, definitely, he's a favourite. Yeah, he's a favourite horse with yeah, the public, you know. Yeah. So um, so that, that that's the the Goodwood Cup, and I just sort of. T- I can't, as you say, talk to, in great depth about them without knowing the runners, but the Sussex Stakes on the Wednesday, obviously, is one of the key races or biggest races of the week. And uh, it looks as though Poetic Flair, who was so impressive in the St. James's Palace Stakes at Royal Ascot, winning there by over four lengths, he's likely to go off a shade of odds on, I think. Uh, it's hard to say what's going to turn up against him, but I think uh, that those those first three fillies home in the Falmer Stakes, uh, namely Snow Lantern, uh, Mother Earth, and Alcohol Free, uh, I, I, th- I suspect that one or one or maybe even two of those might uh, run against Poetic Flair. And I rather like Alcohol Free actually because I was surprised that she made the running in the Falmer Stakes at Newmarket. I think uh, Ashim Murphy's hand was slightly forced by the draw, so he got to the rail, but he found himself leading, and um, when she was so impressive when she won the Coronation Stakes at Royal Ascot, on very different ground, admittedly, I, I just thought that she she travelled so beautifully off the pace, and I'd like to see those tactics replicated rather than front tactics, because I think she's a really talented filly, alcohol-free, and I think she could turn the tables on Snow Lantern and Mother Earth on that foul mistake. So there was nothing between them, really, at the finish. But uh, alcohol-free was there to be shot at, mm. and I just think that a more waiting ride could pay dividends. The Sussex Stakes won't have Palace Pier. Unfortunately, he's had a, a poor blood count, and uh, he's going to miss the Sussex Stakes and will be diverted for the... Uh, Prijat Le Marat, which of course is the most prestigious uh, mining race in France, so which he won last year, so he'll run in that. So maybe alcohol free if she turns up could be a, an alternative to, to the likely hot favourite Poetic Flair, but he does seem to be better. So uh, it's uh, you know always a good race for Sussex. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, what did you think of? Uh Snowfall, isn't it? The one that run the, um, yes. the Irish yeah. Oaks and, of course, the English Oaks. Uh, another pretty yeah. bloodless victory, wasn't it? Yeah, she was very impressive, wasn't she? Again, mm. there's a little bit of a question whether whether she's beating a lot of quality fillies or not. And we'll just have to see what turns up against her in the Yorkshire Oaks yeah. at the Ebel meeting. That's going to be her next target. She had an entry in the Nassau Stakes, at uh, Goodwood, which is another Group One race, and next week could feature Ordaria, who was second to Love at Royal Ascot, won at the Breeders' Cup last season. She's a possible and Lady Bothall, who looked pretty unlucky in the Falmouth Stakes, mm. having to come right round f- other runners, got blocked off and finished like a train. Yeah. She'd be a fascinating runner trying a mile and a quarter in the Nassau Stakes. I think that is the intention with Lady Bothall, who. You know, I'm a big admirer of. I think she's a fantastic mare, and um, her and Ordaria could make that a very special race. There's thundering nights in there as well for uh, Joseph O'Brien, who won the Pretty Polly Stakes over in Ireland. So I think uh, again, the uh, the Nassau will be a a real treat next week. Uh, we've got Batash going for a fifth win in the King George the Fifth Stakes, and obviously the five furlongs at Goodwood is 
downhill most of the way and it suits him so well because he's got such blistering speed. Didn't run too badly at Ascot uh, after a setback. And so he could be very hard to beat again. And amongst the entries, there's Kane from the Dark, who won at Sandown, a really improving sprinter, and Dragon Symbol, who uh, would be dropping back from six furlongs to five if he ran uh, Dragon Symbol, who was second in the July Cup and had previously been disqualified from first place in the Commonwealth Cup at, at Royal Ascot. Really good sprint. And, and Winter Power, Tim Easterby, is very fast. Mm. Uh, uh, horse Winter Power, who has won again at York since uh, running at Ascot, is also amongst the entries. But a, a top form Batosh at, at Goodwood is a pretty damn difficult horse to beat mm. on that track. Well, I hope so because I've got a, lot of, a soft spot for Batash. I think she's mm. a fantastic horse. I wish I owned one like that. That'd be great. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay, then, Simon. Well, thank you ever much for for going through. I know it's slightly difficult when we're so you know four days away before we even start the racing, but um, nonetheless, you, you've done an admirable job, and I'm sure it'll give our listeners a few clues anyway to to keep an eye on certain things. And um, let's hope the weather's sort of. You know, stays nice even if it's not quite so warm. Yes, I think I think everyone would. Do, I mean, we complain, don't we, about the weather in this country? Yeah. It's like a national yeah. occupation, isn't it? But yeah. uh, it's yeah. been a bit too hot. I was at Lingfield yesterday, and it was one of the hottest days racing I've ever had. And, yeah, uh, wearing the headset was like putting your head in an oven. And so I would appreciate it if it cooled down a bit. But the forecast certainly suggests that it's going to be moving down for Goodwood to about twenty-one degrees, and yeah. I think that's very tolerable. That's a really nice temperature, isn't it? So, yeah. Um, yeah. And and also that it should be fairly dry. But the the, the the intriguing thing ahead of the King George is what the weather's going to do, mm. whether whether they are going to get these thunderstorms or not. Yeah. Uh, if they don't get the thunderstorms, then it will just be a five-runner King George because I'm pretty sure that, that uh, David Manusier won't run wonderful mm. tonight. But nevertheless, it will still be a, an intriguing race. Good. Well, thank you, Simon. And uh, uh, we'll, we'll speak to you again in the near future, I'm sure. Thanks for your help. And... Um have a good weekend. Thank you, Adrian. Thank you. Well, that was the Sporting Life, Simon Holt. And now it's time for our weekly jaunt down to Columpton in Devon to catch up with Rod Millman. OK, well, good afternoon, Rod. Thanks for joining us on this very, very hot, uh, what is it, Thursday afternoon. How do you find this uh, this weather affects the horses and, you know, the general sort of running of the operation? Well, it's made it very hard for the horses and the staff obviously these extreme temperatures uh, we're starting um hour and a half earlier in the morning so um at least we're getting them out before it gets too hot yeah but um when they stood in the stables uh, some stables are better than others but it's been very hot in the stables um ventilation is very important and you've got to keep the electrolytes up but it's like us i mean some horses take the heat very well others others sit there complaining all day you know yeah yeah would they find it more comfortable out in the field or in the box? Oh, out in the field, unless they, well, better off in the box this time at the moment because unless you're in a field with a lot of uh, shade and draft, yeah. you'll get a lot of flies. Oh, right, and, yeah. And the flies, you know, if you go under the trees, the flies are there with them. Yeah. They're better stay stable than Jamie, you know? Yeah, yeah. And oh, probably out, out by night, um, but generally most, most racehorses are stable all the time. Um, there's a few modern day theories where they train them from the field, um, but you've got all that fly, they get covered in fly bites and 
it's better. It's better. It's easy. It's easier to train them from the stable, really. You know. And I suppose there's a security issue as well. Leaving you know horses out in the field. I mean, I suppose it makes it that much more difficult to uh, keep a, an eye on them all the time. Well, yes. I mean, you know, but it's like um, for, for for doping or anything like that. If if the dopers wanted to get at the horses, it'd be very hard hard for them not not for you not to let them do it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's like if somebody wants to break, if somebody wants to break in your house, they will find a way of doing it. You know? <clears throat> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But moving on to some good news, um, you have had two winners in the last what two days? Is it three days? And I've uh, had yes, we I've had one winner, so we're all oh, looking well, pretty good. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's all right then. Yeah. Well, we had um, Hurricane Helen finally won a race last night. Yeah, which was very good at Bath. Um, that was the poor horse; it had a colic operation. And she nearly died, and she had complications after the operation. So right, yeah. it was very good to um, survive, really, you know? Yeah, and, absolutely. And win a race. Yeah, yeah. And Silent Flame was the other one a couple of days ago. Yeah, it's a good performance. One of quite a, well, quite a uh, good, high-quality race at Fosslass. Yeah. Uh, it was very good to be back at Fosslass. Hadn't been back for 18 months. Hmm. We had no flat racing at all. So it was nice to get back and have a, you know, take some... Yeah, absolutely. I, I wasn't aware actually until obviously then that it was flat racing as well. I thought it was purely jump racing at Foss last, but obviously not. Well, it's one of the best tracks in the country for Is it? Uh, flat racing. Yeah. Um, you haven't got the facilities you've got at Bath, uh, at Newbury, but it's almost it's almost like it's almost Newbury. Yeah. It's, oh, it's, like, it? Newbury. it's like Newbury grandstands. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Cause oh, a lovely track to ride around. It's a lovely track to ride around, and um, it's under, an underused track. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's very near where I spent a huge amount of my time uh, when I was a young kid. Uh, my grandmother used to live in Pembrey, which is literally up the road a bit. I'm not quite sure how far it is from yeah. Fastlos, but it's very close. So, um, yeah, so I've got, I, I sort of tend to take a note, a notice of what goes on there, really. But, uh, yeah, we had a winner at uh, Windsor, uh, one small step, won, at, uh, won the last race on Monday at Windsor. So that was okay. Is that with Hot, it's with hot Brian, to Trot Horse? Yeah, it's a Hot to Trot Horse. It's with Brian Meehan. So, um, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah it was a one-mile-two one race, and it seems as though he likes one-mile-two. She likes one-mile-two. And, yeah, uh, yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, one, one cosily, I think, is expression. So, uh you know, he was going away from them, but not that far. But it was no, I was well no. pleased that you know. Um, so that was okay. Pat Dobbs rode it, and um, yeah, yeah. we had another one yesterday, Millie Media, but he uh, he came third at uh, where was it? Leicester, Leicester. Because I oh, think right, didn't right. you have a runner at Leicester yesterday? I think you did, didn't you? No, we just had, we just had one at Sandown and one at one at one at uh, Bath. Right. Okay. Well, look at, looking forward now. Um, what have you got lined up for the next few days? Well, we've got Handy talking tonight. Only six runners, but it's quite competitive. He's third favourite. Mm-hmm. Um, ha- Handy has been running. He's had two seconds in the last two races. This is probably the weakest. It's weaker than his last race. Yeah. So he would have a chance tonight. Uh-huh. Um, and, then, and then tomorrow we've got Saplato's off to Chepstow, but he's taken on Colin Tizard's horse that won very easily last time. All right, yeah. Yeah. That only went up to three pounds. And... Um, so a little bit high in the handicap. He's got ten stone plus, I think. All right. But the other danger is tomorrow is a nice horse of Midland Park, which is quite a useful animal. That's one of his last four. Yeah. But probably best chance is top time. He's in the five-furlong race. 
Um, and then we've got Pride of Horridge on Saturday in the Amateur Riders Race at um, Salisbury. So you, fa- you should have a chance. So fairly busy, not perhaps quite up to your frantic standard, but certainly three or four races that keep you going, won't it? Yeah, no, we're pretty busy. Um, so looking forward, looking forward to the weekend, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And then Goodwood, we've only got three runners, two, two runners at Goodwood. Yeah. Well, we've got three. We've got three entered anyway. But um, Prince of Hearts probably won't run. But Crazy Luck goes there in the Phillies race on the first day. And then we've got Abel Kane in the Stewart's Cup constellation race on on the Saturday. Right, right. Um, are you surprised that there are so few entries again in the uh, King George on Saturday? No, not really, because um, the entry fees are so expensive that only really the really wealthy people can afford to enter them. Yeah. And to supplement them on the day is very, very expensive. Um, with with having these already closing races, you will get small fields, I'm afraid. Mm. It just takes away the spectacle a little bit, though, doesn't it? Yeah, but all these, all, most of these big races, people don't want to get their horses beaten by horses they know they can't beat. Mm. No, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. And, and these good horses are so genuine, they'll, they'll run to the pound, you know, so yeah. uh, it isn't like you'll get long race runners there very often. Yeah? What do you fancy, love? Yeah, she was very hard to be watching. She's very lovely, very tough at the end. You know? Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, thanks very much for joining us, and um, we'll speak to you next week. Pleasure, pleasure. Thank you. Have a good weekend. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, that was Rod Millman down at uh, Clumpton, where things are definitely going very well at the moment. Now we're off to Lambourne to touch base with Tom Ward. Well, Tom, thanks very much for joining us on the show. Uh, good to see that all things have seemed to be going well. Have uh, you had a good, good sort of ten days or so? Yeah, we've had a good couple of weeks. We've had two or three winners in the last two weeks. So it's great. Yeah, they're running well and team in good spirits. So long may it continue. And, and those that aren't winning are still, you know, they're, they're second, third, fifth, fourth. They're all getting near enough there, aren't they? Which is which is encouraging. Yeah, exactly. They're all running running respectably, which is key. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And a bit of prize money as well, so that all helps, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely now, you've got a runner this evening at Newbury. Any chance? Yeah, she, she doesn't run, actually. She's, um, oh. she, I've taken her out. Yeah. She'll be running in a couple of weeks, I think. And what about tomorrow? Um, um, Brown Owl? Brown Owl, she'd have a chance. She ran well last time. She's third last start at Bath, so hopefully um, she can build on that. But no, she's in very good form, and... Hopefully, um, hopefully, can run a nice race. Okay, and then Salisbury, you got uh, Clownsman. Yeah, he was a bit, a little bit disappointing first time out, but I'm hoping we can bounce back from that. Um, and he can run a run a good race. Yeah, he's, he's done, he's done quite well at home. He's worked yeah. nicely, so I'm hoping putting that all together, he can, he can run well on a, at a probably a better, better surface. It was a bit sort of soft for him last time. Yeah. And then a, a, a whole dose of them at, uh, well, uh, one on, no, they're Wolverhampton, aren't they? Virtually all of them, yeah, they are. So that's probably, are, are they all scheduled to run, do you think, or is the weather likely to intervene? Uh, yeah, Moonshiner won't run, I don't think, but um, we'll, have, uh, we'll have Alphonse Carr probably in the Waterman, that'd be the plan. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, how's the, the, the hot weather affected you and your whole operation? You know, how do the horses react to it and... and you know, is it is it been a huge change to sort of schedules and it's been and, good to be fair. Yeah. It's been very good. 
um, it's been it's been very good with our new barns and stuff because they horses seem very chilled and settled. So right, right, um, that's great. We're very lucky. And um, we keep them cool in the afternoons with a good hose and, and yeah. try and keep them as as well as possible. But no, no, they've been been good really. I could do with a good hosing down myself at the moment. Um, uh, and what, yeah, yeah. one doesn't like to be negative, but what did you think of the BBC program on Monday night? Um, I think obviously. There are certain things that make sense and we've got to be a bit careful as an industry to, to try and um, make sure we're doing the right thing. But I think a lot of a lot of what they were showing wasn't anything to do with racing. No. Um, it was it was general horses. Obviously, there was the odd horse from Ireland. But uh, I think on the whole, our industry is, is getting a lot better at, at finding... I mean, I'm, I'm one, I like knowing when my horses go afterwards and making yeah. sure they've, uh, they've got yeah. some homes because... It's it's good peace of mind for myself and obviously for their for the uh, owners. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's key key to make sure that we're um we're, we're as an industry we're doing the best we can because otherwise um yeah we, we've got we've got responsibilities to be to be had. Yeah, absolutely. And and I must say, I you know I, I felt the BBC portrayal whilst it's I guess it's good that they're bringing these things to people's attention, but the way they filmed it, it was I thought was appalling because. You know, half the footage seemed to be in this so-called kill room with this bloke wandering around with a gun that didn't seem to know what he was doing. And, you know, I, I just... Is it necessary to sensationalise it to such a degree? I don't think so, personally, but uh, there we yeah, go. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, we all, well, a lot of people eat meat, and you've got to think about where that comes from. Obviously, horses are different, but... Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, you'd hope they're all treated in the right way when they do get euthanized. And I mean, it's sheep and cows, etc. I mean, mm, mm. Uh, that's a different, different game again. But still, they hope you'd hope they're done in the right way and it's done safely and and quickly. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's probably more to do with the bad habits of the abattoir rather than the actual racing industry. I felt, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, that's a good point. Good point. Okay then, Tom. Well, look, uh, you go and have another hose down, mate, and um, I'll uh, Thanks, I'll go and dive in the shower. I think, <laughs> and uh, hopefully have a few a good few days and keep the winners coming. Right. Well, it's time now to catch up with uh, Jamie Snowden driving his lorry back from Worcester. I think this afternoon was it, Jamie? Yeah. Hi, Eddie. Uh, just um, Jack of all trades today, master of none. <laughs> um, but not a not a particularly successful afternoon. But but nonetheless, the horses are still been running well. I it seems to be. Yeah, we've had it. We we've had a good summer, Eddie. And uh, listen, today um, two 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 bad horses. Um, so they, they they needed to run to to they'll, they'll be retired now. So. Um, the future doesn't lie in racing, but uh, we needed to kind of run to, to guarantee that. We, we, we found it out today. Well, I do hope that they will not be subject to a BBC Panorama investigation anyway. I can guarantee you they won't. They, they, we um, certainly thoroughly vet where, where our horses retire to and where they go on to, so uh, they, they'll have nice homes. Yeah. Now, my, my sister-in-law used to work, I think I might have told you this, she worked for Ron Hodges for about 15 years now, and um, she had three back from him at uh, the farm, because my, my parents-in-law had a farm nearby, and uh, they they lived out their lives, and it, it was great. They were lovely horses, you know, and uh, it's just a pity, really, sometimes that... Uh, when you when you hear these sort of stories, I just wish the BBC. I mean, I think they've done a good job in in highlighting the problem, but I just cannot abide the way they they go about doing it because it seemed to me as though fifty percent of the video that we saw was of the killing room, as they delightfully described it, 
and then there's this bloke wandering around with a gun and you sort of thought well surely there's a better way of doing it than this you know i, I think um i mean as you as you alluded to the, the bbc uh, put forward a very one-sided documentary uh, and, and really the abattoir needs shutting down yeah i don't i don't think it really has much reflection on on racing and where retired racing resources end up it's unfortunate that in, in this instance um there were uh, a couple of resources involved but, yeah uh, yeah it, it's it really isn't a reflection on on, on retired resources in, in in england or, or in ireland for that matter yeah so um how's the hot weather been affecting your operation i've asked this to a couple of other trainers how have you found it yeah listen it's um as i said to you off, off air there ad we um typically english we complain when it's hot we complain it when it's cold and we'll complain when it's wet but um it's uh oh, listen it's, it's not particularly pleasant but um you know we get the horses exercised early in the morning and uh and and you know we try and try and give them give them a you know shower shower the horses off to cool them down and um yeah listen it's not pleasant but hopefully um hopefully it's only for one week or so in the year really has the lorry got air conditioning yeah um not in the front but it's got a fan in the back so uh we're we're, we're sweltering in the front but uh the horses are, are doing fine just in the back no, that's not too bad then anyway that's not too bad now you've got a couple of runners tomorrow if i can just get back to my computer page where it's on which of course i can't straight away just bear with me a minute jamie but uh what what chances do you think where, where are we tomorrow yeah we've got we've got two you talked to tomorrow Eddie. we've got piscar pike and how did he do piscar pike won last time out really really impressively that was on chasing debut he carries a penalty for that for that win here today, uh, tomorrow, should I say? Um, so he's got to step up again, but he's uh, he, he's only going to improve as a as a novice chaser, and I think he'll have a, a I think he'll have a chance. There's a couple in there against him that um, will put up a, a worthy fight. We've beat one of them before, um, and I think we have more speed than the others. So I, I, I'll give ourselves half a chance in that. Six to five betting. Uh, well, I presume it's favourite. Six to five. That's what it says on here, anyway. And then, uh, and then, how did he do? She's a she's a mare. She won at Worcester earlier on this summer, uh, but her wind was giving her a bit of trouble. So we've just operated on that. So first run back from a wind off, and uh, and she'd have a uh, certainly an each way chance in that. Mm, good, good. And tell me, I, I I was talking to somebody. Apparently, there's a. Uh, some sort on September the 12th is it that there's some sort of national day when all the stables are opening up to the public yeah they're having national racehorse week um, so September the the 12th that, 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 that I think that's a Saturday off the top of my head and over the course of that week they, um, they're, they're having a celebration of the racehorse basically showing showing the general public how racehorses are cared for and looked after in, in racing yards and We've all been encouraged to open for an hour or so um, at, at some point during that week. We're, we're opening on Sunday, the 13th of September, for I think for an hour and a half from half nine till 11 o'clock. Yeah. And, um, members of the general public are welcome to come and have a wander around and, and experience how our resources are cared for and looked after. That's good publicity. Yeah, it is. So uh, lots of racing yards are opening. And, um, and, and 
that's when, when we're open. So uh, if any of your listeners fancy coming up and seeing our yard, then that's the time to do it. Absolutely. And uh, we, we've got a few, obviously, very close to me. And uh, uh, your friend and mine, Mr. Colin Brown, is apparently coming down to do a compares job at Harry Fry's, just up the road from me. Ah, very good. Very yeah. Good. So... Uh, That'll be a good chance to catch up with Colin because we never seem to be able to catch up with each other very much. But um, yeah. there we go. So drive carefully, uh, JB. Uh, I will be keeping an eye on those two tomorrow and let's hope that um, they win. Thanks very much, Eddie. All the very best. And thanks for joining us again, Jamie. Always welcome on the show. Take care. Cheers, Eddie. Thanks a lot, Jamie. Bye-bye. Uh, thanks to Jamie Snowden for joining us on the show there. And now it's time for Colin Brown yes indeed the cheeky chappy yeah he's got me up at the middle of the night to do this unbelievable well good morning Colin at this unearthly hour what is wrong with you listeners he's dragged me out of bed to do this at nine o'clock and then he's late can you believe it <laughs> if I live next door to you I'd be making a hell of a racket uh my my wife and I get up every morning about half five, six o'clock or shortly after. Can I help and, it um, if you're mentally deranged? <laughs> well, we're always in bed by twelve o'clock. Oh right. Amazing, you see. Yeah. So we do see a lot of the day whereas you don't. Is that twelve um, o'clock lunchtime or what then? No, twelve o'clock at night, sadly. But there <laughs> we go. There we go. Life at the bottom. And yeah, we've got a busy day for Saturday, plenty of racing, of course. We've got the Queen, uh, King George and Queen Elizabeth stakes at um, Ascot. Um, and also, you know, it's been a hot week, so, you know, I've been racing quite a bit this week. And the horses, they feel the heat, but they've they've got big bodies, if you like, to uh, to sweat and to cool down. So, um, you know, they've been pl- throwing plenty of water over them to bring their temperatures down. And um, they've all been fine. And uh, so that's good but it's getting a bit um cooler the weekend let's hope we don't get those thunderstorms that they sort of are half talking about at Asker because that will scupper the ground because it's so you know it's like good to firm uh, ground at the moment um good to firm watered i suppose um but you know sunny and then if thunderstorms come doesn't take long for the bit of rain to get into the ground anyhow where should we go to start with on Saturday? Newmarket? If you want to go to Newmarket, Colin, you go to Newmarket, my son. <clears throat> it's one of those mid-afternoon <coughs> meetings, really, so it would sort of suit you if you lived nearby because the first race is at 3 o'clock, so you could get up at 11, yeah. have your Weetabix and your, um, you know, your sausage and egg sandwich and a bit of black pudding, and then you could go off to Newmarket yeah, and sounds good. enjoy the racing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pity Newmarket's so far away from Somerset. I know. You could then miss your lunch, which wouldn't be any harm, and then in the evening, <laughs> at 6 o'clock, you see, at 6.25, you could have a burger or something like that. The idea wouldn't Yeah, it would. Bar- it would. Barbecue at Newmarket. Yeah, yeah. Right, well, come on, so, enough of this rubbish. Yeah. Let's get on with it. Let's get on with it. Okay. Um, in the uh, in the 340 at Newmarket, I quite like a horse called Gloucestershire. It's a winner as a two-year-old. Um, it got beaten by Eucan Glen at Sandham, but I don't think that was his running. I think he's a bit better than that. Trained by Martin Mead, whose horses actually now are in really good form, and they weren't then. So this is a horse that I quite like at Newmarket in the... Uh, 
I think it's in the 340 yeah, the handicap, the, the mansion handicap. Um, as we move on through, there's a, another handicap over six furlongs that's quite interesting, and that is at 520. Um, pretty good race, this one, but James Doyle is riding for a trainer called Robin Brisland. Now, I tell you what, this guy can train. He was a jockey a few years ago. He trains in that place called Danebury, which is up the A30, just on the left, up near Stockbridge. And some great trainers have been there in the past. I think Richard Hannon uh, had a few horses there years and years ago. He used to be a horse, a trainer called Vernon Cross that trained there also. And there's been plenty of winners trained out of Danebury. This guy is a good trainer. And um, I think uh, he, I think there's a win again. It won at Epsom last time out. It's called Evasive Power. And that's in the uh, in the um, five twenty at Newmarket. So yes, that's my lot for Newmarket. I'm not going to tip uh-huh. up any more because um, you know we don't want to go too mad, too many race meetings really. Mm. Um, but I think I think we'll move up and just have a quick look at um, at Newcastle. I love Newcastle. Uh, it's an all weather card there. But um, there's some pretty decent racing, as always. There, you know, a lot of good horses have started off at Newcastle, Golden Horn, Enable, horses like that, and um, it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty good race up there. Pretty good racing up there tomorrow, and there's a good two-year-old race uh, where Mark Johnson's got a runner. It's called Cowboy. Uh, Kieran Fallon rides it. It's owned by Qatar Racing. It's beautifully bred by Dark Angel. Um, the dam was a seven furlong winner, won a group two, group three race, and uh, comes from a really good family. So that's my first winner at Newcastle in the two o'clock, in the um, one thirty-five, should I say? And that's a horse called Cowboy. Um, right up at Newcastle as we move on through. John Quinn's got a runner or two there. He normally does quite well. Nigel Tinkler's horses are in very good form at the moment. And uh, he runs a horse, Nigel Tinkler, this, this one was second at Dapper Man. And um, it's uh, it's called again, Not On Your Nelly. Great, great name. And I think it's probably, uh, I think it's ready to win. Um, and it's ridden by a, a, a young jockey called... Um, Faye McManaman. So that's the one I fancy at Newcastle uh, in the 2.45. I'm not going to go any more there. I just fancy those two. You know, um, sometimes you get a bit carried away on a Saturday and you end up with sort of too many tips, I think, and mm. um, bits and pieces. So we're going to move from, we've got Newmarket, we've got Newcastle, and we're going to slip on down to Salisbury. It's a track that you're quite fond of, Salisbury, is it? Yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah, pretty much so. Are you a member there, or do you? Play no, I don't go. I don't. I'd like to be, but I don't go regularly enough to be a member. But uh, you know, we always we always try and get down there. I think we're going. We're going. There's one in August. We're going to definitely. So uh, look forward to that. Yeah, look, yeah. Look forward to that, everybody. If you're, um, if any of your listeners are going that day, maybe they can come up and meet you and you know get a signed autograph of it. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid boy, Pike. <laughs> 
You'd think being Salisbury, you'd think Mary would get up to Salisbury, wouldn't you? Yeah. You'd think she'd, um, she still rides a bike, don't you think she could probably get on the back roads so all up through? Well, uh, if she gets go. on the 303 and weighs me down, I'll give her a lift, there you go. Oh, well, that's kind of going to say she could cut up through Donald's and Mary and end up sort of like in Bower Chalk, Broad Chalk, something like that, and then up the hill to Salisbury races. I used to go to Salisbury races. The great thing is, when I uh, left school, I went to Toby Boardings, and then I, my mum and dad made me go to university in Salisbury. Was that Borstal? Um, <laughs> Borstal, yeah, more like. And I did a pre-apprentice course in bricklaying and welding and carpentry and painting and decorating. And I quite like the painting and decorating, but the great thing was you got a bus pass. So I thought this is the bus pass to Salisbury races. So, you know, when it was Salisbury races, I didn't bother going to any more lessons uh, that day. I would just get on the bus, get mm. dropped off at Coombis and walk up the track to Salisbury races. And that's in the days when they had those barrier starts and all the great jockeys were riding like Scobie Breezy, Lester, Ron Hutchinson, um, Brian Jago, it was brilliant. Explains anyway, a lot, that does. It does explain a lot. It doesn't be. <laughs> um, right, one of your trainers has got his boy riding here. Patrick Millman rides for Rod, Pride what? of Hawkbridge. What what race? Um, by the, by, uh, that is the first race on the card at five thirty. By the way, thanks for your tip on Thursday night. I finished last. Um, <laughs> That's on, okay. Anytime. <laughs> anytime at all. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't do me a lot of good. Um, anyhow, it's uh, it's quite a quite a competitive race at five thirty, and it's an amateur riders' race. I'm not going to put a tip on that. I'm going to move to the six oh five, which might be slightly easier. Um, so the six oh five again, quite a competitive little handicap. Now, I think the horse that can win it is trained by um, Henry Candy, not far from me. It's called Kingston Star. By Kalaki, a horse that Henry trained himself. Um, it's been placed a couple of times. Runs, I think this is its first handicap. So I'd say this horse has got a chance of opening his account the 605. Wouldn't go too mad on it, but um, it's got a chance of opening his account uh, here at Salisbury. Um, right. Marcus Tregoning does well at Salisbury. And in the 635, he runs a horse called Royan. Uh, this horse, Roy, has never run. It's a Shadwell Estate Company horse. Um, out of a good mare called Raff. And um, this one's related to plenty of winners. The dam was a listed winner and um, comes from a good family. And uh, Marcus could easily, uh, this horse could easily open as a carrot. It's called Royan in the 6.35 at Salisbury. Radio. Um Tracy Gonson's birthday celebration. I don't think Tracy's a relation of John and Fady, quite possibly. But um, anyhow, she's got a little race there named for her birthday, so I'm sure she'll be there in all her finery, getting a few Prosecco's down her. Yeah. And um, what wins this? I don't know. Clive Cockshaw's a two-year-old first time up, owned by the chairman of Sorcerer, that's Jeff Smith. Um, it's called Prop Forward. Out of a mare called My Propeller. Um, got to have a chance I won't tip it up but I just mentioned it because you know uh, I'm sure uh, Clive would like to have a winner for his um, for, for his own a bit on um, on his own race course um, and he has a fair few winners there but Clive's horses he had a few first time outers recently a couple I've quite fancied 
And I think they've got to be exceptional his to win first time out. They end up being sort of listed group horses if they win first time. Normally, they sort of just need it. And um, he's run a couple in the last couple of nights where I've been racing, Sandown and Salisbury, where they've sort of just needed it, maybe, you'd have to say. So I ain't going to tip that up. Um, what else at Salisbury? Let's have a quick peek at the 8.35. In the 8.35, there's a horse called Genesis Running. Um, and it's owned by the owners group 76. It was second last time at Yarmouth before that it won at Goodwood. It's crept up a couple of pounds in the handicap, but you know, I'm not sure it's going to beat Trolley, Trolley Hills. Um, this horse is on a real roll and uh, he's a good little trainer, Simon Hodson. He's helped by uh, the guy that used to train these horses and owns um, a couple with him still, uh, called Peter Hedger. And um, I think Charlie Hills will win the last race there. And I think the second horse is going to be Genesis. So that's my tips for the last race on the card. Now, let's move on to Ascot because at Ascot, we've got the Queen Elizabeth, uh, the King George and Queen Elizabeth States. We've got some fantastic racing here and the first race is run in memory of the great pat edry pat sadly no longer with us you know he sadly um died a couple of years ago what a great jockey was he was one of the hardest men and uh in racing pat and he was a fantastic jockey great rider great judge and um i think in our first race there um i think that this could easily go to a horse called angel blur Ridden by Frankie the Tory, of course, knew Pat well. Um, only beaten five lengths at Royal Ascot behind Berkshire's shadow. Um, and before that, had won very easily at Pontefract. Um, but ran the country stakes, wasn't beaten very far. That form's pretty good, and I don't think this one will be far away. And that's in Pat's race. Angel Blur, the first race at Ascot. Let's have a little peek through the card. I might not have a little tip for every race. Uh, but you have to probably say that the second race, the uh, Princess Margaret um, Group 3 Phillies race, should go to uh, O'Sheen Murphy riding Desert Dreamer for Stuart Williams. He's not really known for having a lot of two-year-olds, good ones, anyhow, Stuart. But this one was second um, at Royal Ascot, and that was behind Sandrine, who's gone on to win a, a, a nice race at Newmarket since the former stakes. And he was second, or the Duke of Cambridge, should I say. He was second in the Duke of Cambridge to this one. And um, form looks pretty good. So that is Dre Desert Dreamer in the 225. Or even the 150. Um, oh, even the 150. I've just moved on to the 225. Um, looks pretty competitive. But I tell you what, Huey Morrison's horses are running well, although I haven't actually caught them right this week. He's said a couple quite fancied and they haven't gone in. But here, there is um, a race that I think he can win. And he runs a horse called Mars a bit. There's a horse that won at Doncaster, won at Leicester last time out, and also won at Goodwood. So it's, run, it's won on all sorts of different tracks. And I think Mars a bit's got a real good chance in the 225. The three o'clock is the Moet Chandon International Handicap, and it looks too hard for me as I move to the King George at 3.35. Well, Lovers are five to four favourite. The Derby winner, Adair, 
at nine to four. Lone Eagle second in the uh, Irish Derby to um, horse called Hurricane Lane. Uh, a big chance in this riff. Disappointing on soft ground in the Eclipse, but won a couple of great races in uh, in Maidan um, and also uh, in uh, in uh, Riyadh. I mean, this is a really good horse. Well, this is Kraken race. Wonderful tonight at the Hardwood Stakes. And Broom, of course, um, a winner, second to wonderful tonight in the Hardwick, and a winner at Song Clue last time out. So what wins it? Well, I think it's a perler of a race. I really do. And on ratings, Love and Adair and Misriff come out in front. Yes, I see what you can barely sort of split them, really. But I suppose Charlie Appleby's horses are running well, and that was a good run in the Derby. I'm going to go a dare to win for the Appleby. They got some great three-year-olds. Um, I know Love keeps winning, but I keep going back to thinking she's out of a moderate mare called Peekaboo, who couldn't get out of her own way. She's only rated fifty. But when you look through the former Love. I'm not sure she's beaten the best yet. And that's just my opinion. Might not be yours or anybody else's, but I'm not sure she has just beaten the best yet. Well, so that, I'm going to give her a swerve. Assuming I get up in time, uh, we'll find out at 3.35 on Saturday, won't we? Exactly. We will know then. Um, right. That almost concludes it for the programme, I'll be honest, they're the horses yeah. I really, really fancy. Uh, the last race on the card is a Longine uh, amateur rider, amateur jockeys race. I think this is where all, all the girls get a nice watch in the chain, but they've put it as the last race. So you've got a lot of girls loose on some quite nice horses, but not over-experienced riders, a lot of them in this race. Um, and that's the last race on the card. I don't think I'll bother them tipping anything up we'll just watch it with interest but no that's your lot okay thank you very much colin it was really good of you to do that especially at such an early hour in the morning i mean it must have really taxed you but uh not as much as it taxed me i can assure you yeah we've we've been for a 7k walk this morning and uh and done all our jobs before we go racing so mm. we're all set up for the day whereas you've got to sink back into your ready break which might have set by now and maybe your eggs gone hard and your black pudding's gone a bit greasy you'll mm. have to put it in the microwave yeah well i might well have to <laughs> you take care anyhow take care listeners have a lovely week thank you colin well that of course was the uh cheeky chappy himself colin brown with his latest tips for the weekend before he goes rushing off to ascot or newbury or one of his local tracks but now as many of you know i've often mentioned the fact that i'm part of hot to trot racing and we've had a good week because we had a winner and a third so it's time to catch up with sam hoskins at hot to trot racing well good morning sam it's uh, it's been a good week for hot to trot Morning, lady. Yeah, it's been a great week, thank you. Uh, we've uh, great to see one small step winning for two hops trots on Monday. It was really impressive. Uh, and Brian Meehan was thrilled, and um, she looked fantastic in the paddock at Monday. And it was a big crowd at Windsor um, who were there to greet her, so that was fantastic. Um, and then we had Mili Miglia for the same group, which is your group. Uh, she came third at last year. They had a mighty race. Um, she looked like she might win for a second, but. Uh, probably an experience just found her out a bit um but she ran a lovely race and, and i hope she should be winning very soon Amelia, Amelia. 
Um, and the two-year-olds in, in that group are, are coming along nicely. Plagiarised Huey Morrison. We saw her last Friday at a visit, and she moved really nicely. And we're hoping to see her on a race course in early September. And she, she's showing plenty of ability at home, and um, everything's going well at this stage. So we've only got to wait another sort of six weeks, and we'll see her out. Yeah. Emily Post, who's with um, uh, Ed Bethel in Midland, she's, she's shaping up nicely as well. She's probably the other... She might be our first two-year-old runner at uh, some stage in the next month. Yeah. Um, she, uh, his young trainer's been doing well, and uh, she, she looks nice. And um, yeah, Trouble of Foot's just uh, needed to... Um, Roger Charlton has just needed to back her off her a bit. She's just um, had a bit of uh, sort of ju- sort of juvenile, um, I think, or tendonitis, where you just need to back... Just a sign that they're not ready yet. So yeah, she needs to, yeah. need to back off her a bit. And then, and then finally in that group, Dorothy uh, for Charlie Fellows. She's, she's come back in... Uh, she's been in about a month now since coming over from her break um, and she grew up a lot and uh, she looks fantastic so that was i think that's been a good investment and she's she's one to be awesome too have we, have we got any runners next week uh sam uh no, nothing next week uh nothing next week Laura's good but next week but nothing running um one small step amelia miglia probably will be the next runners again but obviously they're both ran this week so yeah to be out before at least for another two three weeks um, but Emily Post is coming along, and I haven't been given a date yet. But I wouldn't be surprised to see her enter the running fold as well in in, um, in, in August. So um, that would be exciting. So it's all looking really pretty good then, isn't it? Yeah. No. Exactly. No. A bit positive. Lots of lots of nice two years. Just taking a bit of time. But uh, time with horses is, is a good investment, and and it's um, yeah, it, it, it's uh, it's a bit sort of um, the season is very much one to crescendo for. Yeah, two hot to trot, um, and and the first group hot to trot won. We've uh, we had Roman Miss that came second uh, the other day at Chepstow, and uh, she's an amazing filly. She keeps keeps placing the whole time, and she won back in the spring. And we've had Pisaria, who is well worth watching out for. She was a bit disappointed at Kempton the last time, but James is adamant she's better than that. So hopefully she'll come good. But she'll be back on turf in in due course. Um, and we've got Get Ahead, who is he's obviously really the star filly in that group. She had a little niggle after Rod Ascot, and but she's coming along nicely now. And hopefully, we'll see her out on the race course this autumn. Um, we've had, we've got um, uh, you won't believe it, who's a, a nice filly with Nigel Tinkter in Yorkshire. She's coming along well, um, and again, one for probably sort of later on August, early September. Um, and uh, we've got a new filly uh, joining the ranks uh, in the shape of a, a filly by a star called Fast Company um, out of the mare called Lulu the Rocket. Um, so if anyone's uh, she's unnamed yet, so if any of your viewers have any bright naming suggestions, then let me know. Yeah. Uh, she's going into training with George George Baker near Godalming in Surrey, and uh, she, she's a nice filly. Um, and uh, and that's about it. So um, uh, it's, it's exciting. Very um, exciting. So basically, if you're not a part of hot to trot racing why not you really have got to get in there because it is the place to be so sam sam thanks very much for filling this in and giving us all the latest um but uh, no, ho- hopefully they'll 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 trot up again next time and uh, we'll keep up the success rate so thanks ever so much for joining us and we'll speak to you again in a few weeks good to chat to you as always <laughs> So, thank you to Sam Hoskins there from Hot Trot Racing. And uh, as I say, if you want to be a part of it, you just get in touch with Sam. And the website address is, uh, he says, grabbing it. Uh, it's hottrotracing.com. 
And now, last up on the show, it's time to catch up with Dave Wilson at Harlequin Racing. Yeah. Okay, good morning, Dave. Okay. Not quite so hot today, but um, hopefully the showers will stay away and not bugger up the racing. Yeah, it's a bit of a mixed forecast over the weekend, but we shall wait and see and uh, get what we get. Uh, it's been a lovely week so far, and uh, we just have to look at what we've got on the floor at the moment, which is nice, hot, sunny, good, firm going everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. We're going to have a look at Ascot for Saturday, and we're going to start off with a 115 race there. And the horse we like in here is called Nurse Claire. It's going to be ridden by Danny Tadhope and trained by Richard Farhi. Uh, only had one run today and was slightly green in that race, but she showed a very, very good turn of foot, and she beat a horse of Mark Johnston's. Now, obviously, Mark Johnston's got the bit about him with his horses, and uh, they, they normally come out very wound up for their first race from Johnston's table, so to beat a Mark Johnston horse on a debut when she ran a little bit green, she's obviously got to be a little bit special, so uh, we'd expect her to move on from that race as well and come forward for it but she the thing that I don't understand is she's a rank outsider of the field at 14 to 1 with heels mm. so we're going to have a small each way bet on her to start the day off and uh, hope the bookmakers have got it wrong yeah uh, that's what we're doing in the first in the second race to 150 uh, we're going for a horse called System Pat Dobbs takes a ride for Richard Hannon. Uh, the second on debut and got beat half a length that day. Then come out and won uh, Maureen Britain Memorial up at Newmarket, which is a listed race. And in that race, we beat Desert Dreamer in a photo of finish. Now, Desert Dreamer's reopposing again, but Desert Dreamer was never looking likely to beat her last time out. And I would, would imagine that it was only her second run that day system and Desert Dreamer has had four runs prior to that it's there's more more to come from system than there is Desert Dreamer in my opinion so priced up around about 11 to 4 we're going to have a small win bet on system in the 150 there Rightio Moving down to the 225 uh, horse that we like here is Guru uh, O'Shea Murphy takes ride for John Gosden priced up around about 11 to 2 with most firms had four four runs today on and he's won one of them uh, his last effort was very very impressive he conceded first run to another horse that he's reopposing today Isla Kai and was beaten a neck but the thing is when you concede the run to a different horse and it's hard to peg him back with the momentum and to get within a neck of it was very very impressive in my eyes in that race as well he was he was getting two pound off of Isla Kai and in this race, he gets three pounds. He's got an extra pound off of his bag for a neck beating. But the thing, as I say, he conceded first run to Ida K in that race. Uh, 11 and 2 is worth having an each way bet for me there in the 225 on Guru. Righty-ho. On to the nap of the day, the three o'clock race. And uh, the nap of the day is Matthew Flinders. Another O.C. Murphy ride, but this time he's riding for Ed Walker. This fella went off second favourite for the Royal Hunt Cup at Ascot. And he finished 20th in the race, but to be fair, he, he didn't get any cover and he, he just didn't get a run of a race or nothing went right for him that day. And uh, it was just one that you put the pen through. But since then, he's come out and he ran at Chester and he got beat two and a half lengths by Safe Voyage who we had a nice bet on in that race. And Safe Voyage is a very, very classy animal up in Class 1 group level. So 
with the likes of Oso, oh, this is us and Kadeem and all of that was behind him in that Chester run. Seven to one looks to be a very big price for Matthew Flinders. Now, I wouldn't imagine that it would get absolutely smashed off the bookmakers' boards because he's running off of a handicap rating of 98 in this race. Next time out, if he comes into a handicap, he's going to be running off of 108. He's due to go up £10 in the handicap. So, uh, as I say, he's well in on the weights for this run here and uh, I would imagine Ed Walker will be giving him everything he can possibly get to get the horse to win in this one. So, three o'clock race, Matthew Flinders, Napa's Day, 7-1, each way back. Moving moving on to the big race of 3.35, and we're going to take another chance with Mishri, who we uh, had a little bet on last week in the Coral Eclipse. Uh, priced up around about 9-1, to one. David Egan takes a ride for John Gosden. Uh, as you say, like, he... It's been off three months before the Coral Eclipse and he'd come with a run and then just petered out and he just didn't look like he was fully wound up for that run. And I'd imagine he'd be spot on for this one, but like in this race you've got the likes of Love and Adea who won the English Derby and Adea's going for the, the double which was last done by Galileo, which is uh, Derby and King George in the same year. And it would be mighty impressive for the young horse to do that. But as I say, I quite like the likes of Mishrif. And I think he didn't show his true performance last time out in the, in the Eclipse. So uh, we're going to give him another another chance there. And 9-1, to one, worth having an each way back. OK. Moving on to the 4-10 race. The one that we think the handicap has got completely wrong is a horse called Good Soul. Uh, trained by, uh, running by Tom Marquand and trained by Hugo Palmer. He's currently priced up around about 9-1 to one with William Hills. He's only had three runs to date, and he won his first race uh, on the all-weather, and then he was second. Uh, on his second start, he came third, and he was two and three-quarter lengths behind a horse called Law of the Sea. Now, Law of the Sea is running up in Group One, uh, Group 2 Class 1 company, and he's rated around about 95-96 mark. Now, in that race... Good Soul was giving Laura of the Sea £9 and got beat two and a bit length. So, theoretically, on his handicap, and he should be rated around about 96, 97, but the handicap has put him in on a handicap rating of just 77. Now, I think that's a very big mistake he's made there, the handicapper, but he's been doing the job a lot longer than I have. But <laughs> I'm going to be having a nice each way bet with heels at 9 to 1 on this one, and I certainly think the 9 to 1 is going to get a very big battering. Okay. So, the fourth 10 race, good soul. Right, yeah. Moving on to the last race of the day, it's uh, Lady Jockey's race, and <laughs> the Lady Jockey that I do like is Serena Brotherton, and she takes a ride on Vasco de Gamma which is trained by Gay Calloway. Uh, he returned from France three races back and showed very good form over a mile at Windsor on his first run back. And that was on good to firm going. And then he had a run on the all-weather, which is quite soft underfoot, and then had a race on good to soft, which he didn't perform in. And I think the horse needs to have firm, firm surface under his foot, which you get as long as we don't have too much rain between now and race time. And uh, he's priced up at 14 to 1, and Serena Brotherton is one of the best female jockeys around. And it's certainly worth having a each way bet on him in there in the last race Vasco to Gamma in the 4.45 price up at around 14 to 1 so that's what we've got for you Ascot tomorrow mate and uh, hopefully we'll have a few big price winners there
Well, let's hope so. Thank you very much, Dave. Super stuff, as usual. And we'll speak to you next week. Well, our thanks to Dave Wilson there. And that basically is it for this week. A uh, pretty full show. And um, hopefully loads of uh, information to enable you to get a few winners over the weekend. But always remember, when the fun stops, stop. Well, that's about it for this week. Uh, thanks to all our guests. And uh, hopefully you have a good King George tomorrow at Ascot. And, of course, then we've got Glorious Goodwood coming up. So make sure you join us next week. Same time, same station. Thank you for joining us. Goodbye. This is Three Valleys Radio. And you've been listening to The Racing Show. Every Friday night at 7 o'clock, we bring you all the tips, all the trainers, all the jockeys. And above all, Colin Brown. So make sure you join us every Friday night here on Three Valleys Radio.